Hey, everybody. Uh, so good to be with you all. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to continue in our pattern on Wednesdays um, of really giving the space over to allow for you to hear from a fellow student. And I'm really convinced that one of the more powerful ways that we can be exploring and walking through these one another's is to give us opportunities to hear from one another. And so as Joe already prayed uh, this morning, you're going to be hearing from one of uh, your very own Liam Craig who is a student here serving as one of our worship arts assistants. And uh, he is one of the most kind, genuine, authentic, sincere uh, young men that I've met. And uh, he has an incredible uh, testimony of, of God's grace and how um, his life really has intersected with these one another's and how they've spoken into his testimony and the journey that God has him on. And so uh, I want to invite you to join me, if you would, in giving Liam uh, a Northwestern welcome um, as he shares, with, he shares with us. So Father in heaven, we indeed thank you and praise you as the one um, who gives us life and breath, as the one who is beautiful, as the one who is worthy of all of our praise. And Father, I thank you that every single person here is not here by accident, but according to your purpose. And Father, that includes um, our brother here, Liam. And I pray that your spirit would fill him afresh. Father, that as he shares um, from his heart, uh, from your word uh, to us, God, that you would help us to hear what you have for us through him. And that our hearts would be mutually encouraged, that our faith would be built, and that we'd be further transformed into your likeness. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Good morning, Northwestern. It is good to see you. So as you already know, my name is Liam, I'm pastoral ministry major here. And so I'll be focusing my testimony today on two passages. Uh, you can feel free to pull them up as I say them. First uh, Thessalonians 5:15. that says, "See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another." And to everyone. And Ephesians 4 31 through 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So keep those verses in mind. We'll come back to those in a little bit. So, first, let me share a little bit about my story. Um, I was born into a Christian house. Um, before I can really know it, uh, my parents were called into campus ministry, and we moved down to Northfield, Minnesota, and my parents became involved in a campus ministry organization at Carleton College, where my grandparents, my dad, and now my brother are all alums. Um, so from before I could know it, of course, um, like around two years old, I've had college students in my house doing game nights, Bible studies, you name it, my family was involved with it at Carleton. Um, growing up um, into my teen years, my family became very involved in Civil Air Patrol. Um, we spent a lot of time as a family doing different leadership camps, emergency um, response training events, and even some search and rescue missions together. Um, when my family moved up to St. Paul, South St. Paul, in 2017, my dad and I um, led the St. Paul Composite Squadron, and we put a lot of time in that together um, as a family. Uh, as I started my traditional undergraduate um, sort of journey here at Northwestern in 2019, um, I had a successful fall, uh, quad one. I 
auditioned and got into the Worship Arts Collective as a guitarist, and then also continued my participation in the Ultimate Frisbee Club team on campus. Um, that was a very fun fall. Uh, the Thursday of midterms at the end of quad one, um, about 9.19, uh, my brother calls me and says to go somewhere quiet, and so I'm walking away from where I was studying, and um, he says the state patrol was at my grandparents' house, um, that there was an accident. And I'm like, oh man, who, like, what does that mean? And um, he says, it doesn't look like mom and dad made it. Um, a little explanation of what happened. Um, my family was going to be going up to the North Shore um, to a resort we always go to. And um, my brother and I both got offered um, events to do over fall break, and we asked our parents, and they supported us going to our events and doing our own thing. So they decided to find a new thing to do. Um, and they went to uh, go see the fall colors along the Mississippi uh, and spend the weekend out at a bed and breakfast resort um, on the Mississippi. So they start their journey on Thursday, and they're making their way down um, to where they're going. They stop behind a semi-truck um, along a stretch of road that doesn't have like a passing lane, so they're just waiting behind the semi-truck. Pickup truck comes up behind them that he's waiting for them to turn left to. Um, so they're waiting, then a dump truck with a distracted driver comes. Um, without braking, highway speed puts the truck into the ditch and puts my parents into the back of the semi-truck trailer. So coming back to me, I didn't know any of that at that moment. I just knew that there was a crash and mom and dad were gone. So disbelief, uh, shock, just about any random emotion you could imagine um, is going through my head in that moment, and I'm sitting there. I'm thinking to myself, this is, yeah, this can't be me. Like, this, I'm normal. I'm, this is, this changes my, like, what does my life look like now? And I, I'm trying to process all this and just sitting there, just total shock. And TMI, I, I was sitting there, and there's people that walked by me, and I was like, well, I'm not crying, so, like, why, why are people looking at me weird? And I, I reached, I was, like, brushing my chin or something, and I, I, take my hand away, and there's blood all over it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I had a massive bloody nose, and my entire face was covered in blood, and it was going down. It, anyway, that was interesting. That was interesting. So I, I went back to my room. Sorry if that's too much. Um, I went back to my room, stopped the bloody nose, and I'm collecting myself, and I knew in that moment I needed to pray, and I needed to turn to God's word. Uh, but I, I had no idea what I wanted to read. I was like, okay, like, what fits this situation, right? And um, so I prayed that for guidance on what to read. And I felt led to Matthew 6, which, if you know, is during the Sermon of the Mount. Um, it's the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus is telling his followers how they are to pray. And so I had prayed that with my family a lot. Um, so that made a lot of sense. So I, I knelt down in my room, and I said that, prayer, and then I, night went on from there. Uh, my cousin and her husband came to pick me up from campus to drive me down to my aunt and uncle's to be with my brother. Uh, during that car ride, um, I felt led um, to pray with them, and um, something that I believe the Holy Spirit led me to do um, was pray for the driver of the 
dump truck um, and for his well-being as well. Um, I wouldn't say this, is, this was my own initiative on that. I think um, I, had, I know I had seen earlier that summer, I believe, um, a video of someone like forgiving someone who had like killed their brother in court, like uh, in court forgiving someone who had killed their brother. And I had known that that was a huge thing, was forgiveness, and it's a very powerful thing. And so I, was, I feel the Holy Spirit drew me to prioritize that in that moment. Um, in the following days, weeks, and months, I have many distinct memories, many distinct emotions that linger with me. However, a lot of it's just a blur. Um, I spent a lot of time talking with professors and um, friends and family, um, but I also isolated myself um, from friends at many times. Now, I also, in uh, spring of uh, 2020, before COVID, I went to counseling services, and I highly recommend you check them out because that helped me a lot through my journey in processing out my feelings. So two years later, here I am. There are days where I'm still depressed, where I'm angry, uh, where I miss mom and dad. For no, nothing really makes it happen. It just happens. And if you um, if you've experienced grief, you know that. Grief isn't like a linear point A to point B. You can go from point A to point B to point C, and then back to point A, and then to B, and back to A. It's, a, it's your own unique journey. And so that's where I'm at now. By the grace of God, I believe that I am a better, or that I've grown through this process, I should say. And that God has given me a larger capacity for empathy, perspective on grief, and confidence in my own independence, as well as valuing community with my family and friends. Without growing through grief, I would not be able to relate to people the same way I do now. I wouldn't have the story or the connections, and I would not have the same trust, and re trust in and reliance on God. So let's, let's come back to those Bible passages. So we'll start with 1 Thessalonians again. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Ephesians, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right after the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So let's, let's dive into this idea of forgiveness a little bit. Forgive one another. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness, as I would define it, and as I believe it's generally supported, is forgiveness means not to hold a debt against or resent someone for a wrongdoing. This looks like, as we see in the Bible passages, seeking the good of others, being kind to one another, tender-heartedness. Forgiveness is not an action that you do. 
It is a heart posture. In that we understand our problem first, the root of the problem isn't the person that wronged us. The root of the problem is the root of all evil. It is Satan. So while someone did wrong you, your ultimate enemy is not that person. It says in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. If we view our comparable paperclip of a wrongdoing against us compared to the mountain of sin that Jesus died to reconcile, we should be drawn to reflect Jesus to the world in the call that we have to forgive others. We need to accept the significance of our sin, being forgiven and paid for by God through Christ, that should draw us to swallow our pride, take the time in prayer and in the word to understand what that means for us to forgive, what that means for our hearts to forgive actively every day in our lives. Forgiveness is, op is not optional. We must forgive others as we are not loving God or our neighbor as ourselves if we don't forgive them. Forgiveness isn't easier, isn't easy, it isn't linear, it's not like point A to point B. Again, it is a heart posture. But if your heart is seeking to love God, to love others, you will look to forgive in the situations you face. Satan wants us to be prideful. He wants us to see our paperclip as our mountain. They did something terrible which is certainly might, might be the case. People do things. It's a fallen world, and it really sucks. But Jesus died for all of the things that everyone has wronged all of us here. That's pretty significant. I have four words for you. So if you want, you can participate. You can put out your fingers as I say them, all right? Radical forgiveness should inspire radical forgiveness. Might say it's six. I thought it was four. I thought it was clever. <laughs> All right. Radical forgiveness should inspire radical forgiveness. If you've ever heard of the drive-through difference um, on KTIS or anything like that, you're going to uh, your local coffee shop, fast food restaurant, and you pay for the person behind you in line. Historically speaking, that has inspired hundreds of people all the day long paying for people behind them. Now, the thing is, they don't know while they're in line if that's going to stop with them, if they're just the only person that does that, if there was one person or everyone, unless, you know, the cashier tells them. But they don't know if that kindness stops with them. But they know that they were shown kindness. And we see that people are affected by that and that they continue that. We don't know if, if we forgive others. We don't know if that stops, if I may say it that way, if that stops at us. We don't know if that has an effect beyond us. But God will know, 
and most likely others will know. I don't get to sit down with the guy who killed my parents and say, you're forgiven, and then get to see him live out his life freely and do all these great things. I don't get that. But what I do get is that my heart is set that I'm forgiving him and that others around me get to see that I'm not living in, imprisoned by my hatred towards him, that I harbor against him. It's exhausting. Hatred is exhausting. Forgive others. And I'm, I'm gonna, I also was a little proud of this, I'll say. Um, the drive-through difference of forgiveness. What are you going to do about it? Jesus paid our debt. He paid it forward for us. We're in line at Chick-fil-A, at Caribou. He paid it all. Anything that we could need. What are we going to do about that? Are we drawn? Are you drawn right now to continue that drive-through difference of forgiveness? I'd like to exhort you, set the Lord before you, set your sights on God, and do not be shaken. Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11, says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Setting my sights on earthly things, setting my sights on justice, making sure that the guy who killed my parents is arrested, doesn't bring me joy, didn't bring, doesn't ever bring me joy. This September, uh, he was um, charged, and then there's a warrant out for his arrest, and on the 20th of September, he was arrested. As important as justice is, that doesn't bring my heart joy. Yeah, it's great, it's great. He's arrested, justice served. That doesn't bring back my parents. Earthly things that are good ultimately don't bring us the fulfillment that God can. My heart rejoices in knowing that because of Jesus, death is defeated, my parents get to be with him right now in heaven, and one day we'll be together with God. If you're interested in the topic of Sheol, or uh, embracing our mortality, per se. It's a little bit of a dark topic, but if you're interested in it, there's a book called The End of the Christian Life, How Embracing Our Mortality Frees Us to Truly Live. It's written by J. Todd Billings. If you would like to read it, um, let me know. You can talk to me. I'll send you a link or whatever you'd like if you're interested. So how do we set our sights on God? How do we fulfill this call? Trust in God knowing that he is always beside you. When it says in Psalm 16 that because I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, the, the sense of being at one's right hand is 
Um, in a commentary um, said to um, communicate a person who will stand by one. More specifically, this help might be in court or battle. And so both of these um, point to not pleasant times. Those are hard times. And so because, because God is with us in hard times, we set him before us and we are not shaken in that truth, in that reality. And because of that certainty, our hearts are glad, my whole, our whole being rejoices, and our flesh dwells secure. There's fullness of joy in God, and with God in heaven, there are pleasures forevermore. So, if this was not enough, I'm going to try to do a little visual aid. So we got lemon juice, got sugar, and we have water, right? So, try not to spill. Water represents us, our experience in life, and other worldly things, right? So that's our life, right? Lemon juice can represent uh, the effects of sin. We live in a broken world, and sin makes life bitter sometimes, right? Get a double portion of that in there. All right. So, now your life is bitter, right? It's painful. It's, well, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, not good, right? That's sin, right? Now, I can turn to justice or turn to um, any other random thing that the world can offer you. That might be good. Who knows? And add that in there. Does that fix it? No. Um, so, listen. You can turn to things that are good, that are good things to pursue in life, but they, they don't fix that. They, <laughs> they dilute it, yeah, but they're not fixing it, all right? It's still sour, still bitter, it's diluted, but it's it's not, it's not, you don't find beauty in that. If you have a little bit of Jesus in your life, if you set your sights on God, wow, this is going to be really bad. Um, okay, the point is, listen, wow, all right, the point is, <laughs> sugar sweetens things, all right? Um, that may have not hit home there, but if you mix sugar with lemon and water, you get lemonade, right? Okay? And that is wonderful. People love lemonade. But it's bitter, like, if you don't have sugar. Right? Gosh. <laughs> it's so bad right now. Okay, listen. Oh, gosh. Put on, oh, okay. One sec. Okay, but here's the deal. When you include Jesus in your life and you mix it into your life, mix Jesus into your life, how about that? That works better. Then there is sweetness amongst the bitterness. Doesn't, doesn't mean there aren't bitter things. There's still bitterness in this cup. But because of setting your sights on Jesus, there is sweetness and there is beauty in that. So don't try to set 
your sights on things of this world. Don't try to find your happiness in something other than God. Set your sights on God, knowing that that is going to be your only answer and your only way to being truly fulfilled in life and moving into eternity. I hope you've gained something uh, from my talk today. I hope this has helped. Um, but remember, these testimonies aren't about me. They aren't about other people. This should ultimately be pointing to God. I want you to see God's hand in my life and the power of Christ through me. As you see more testimonies, please try to see Christ and others. And through that, I hope that you see God's hand in your life and how he is with you through your hardships. I'll close today um, by if we can stand and say the Lord's Prayer. So stand with me, um, and it will be up on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for your